What's up, everyone? We're back with another episode of Can You Dig It, a podcast by Silver Screen and Roll and SB Nation Lakers community. I am Christian Rivas, and I am slowly getting over uh, a sickness. It's been like, boy, I feel like it's been almost a week. I feel great now. Uh, it's just last week the problem was I couldn't get mucus to stop falling out of my nose. And now it's just all, it just won't come out. It's all in there. So uh, that's what's going on with my nose. Jacob, how is your nose feeling today? Just a tremendous visual to give all of our listeners right this week. this one. It is a podcast, so I have to be as, uh, as uh, you know, descriptive. descriptive as possible. So I apologize to all of you. Uh, I will not describe my nose situation. It, it is normal. It's, it's going around, though, but uh, I think you're safe because you are, uh, as many of our listeners know, in Indiana. But you do rep the Lakers, and I'm sure you watched the game last night um, or on Wednesday. Jacob, what were your... First impressions of the regular season Lakers, are are you freaking out quite yet? Oh, not at all. Which <laughs> anybody who knows me knows that I am an eternal optimist, <laughs> probably to my own fault, to, to my own detriment. Uh, I mean, that's not to say I'm not worried about things. It was a frustrating game. Um, some The biggest takeaways, I think, for me were that... Um, the offense was not great, which we have some. We'll have some quotes we'll discuss later about that. Um, LeBron and AD were pretty much putrid. I think yeah. they finished fifteen of forty combined. Um, I would venture to say there is only going to be maybe one or two more games where both of them shoot that poorly the whole season. Um, and despite all that, they were in the game for the whole game against the team I picked to win the win the title. So I mean that is the Clippers are in a totally different situation. They brought back the large majority of a roster that was a playoff team and just kind of plucked Kawhi in there pretty seamlessly based on last night. Uh the Lakers were a thirty some win team that completely revamped the roster. And I think that was one of the biggest differences it showed last night. The Lakers a lot of times didn't really know what they were doing, and it never felt that way for the Clippers. They always seemed to know exactly what they were doing. Right. So for those that don't listen to our friends Alex and Alex uh, that do the Wednesday show at Silver Screen and Roll, the Lakers did lose to the Clippers uh, 112 to 102. LeBron and AD put up numbers, uh, and Danny Green put up numbers too. Team team high, 28 points. And I think it actually... No, Kawhi Leonard got 30. I was going to say game high, but Kawhi got two more. Uh, Danny Green was fantastic, like really, really good. Uh, and as good of a shooter as advertised, shot seven of nine from three um, on 77.8% shooting from three, uh, which is playing next to LeBron and AD. That's probably where he's going to hover around uh, for the majority of the season. Don't know on nine attempts per game uh but i can definitely see him shooting a very efficient clip from three uh 
But yeah, you know, Jacob, it, it, it's like you said, Anthony Davis and LeBron James were pretty, pretty bad. Um, and the, they're not going to be like that every night of the season. I can bank on that. Uh, but Danny Green's also not going to go off for 28 points every night, which is, is the concerning part to me is that um, like the only reason the game was as close as it was is because Danny Green went supernova um, and AD and LeBron James are bad. I don't know, and, and and I hope it does. I hope that like those two things balance each other out on most nights throughout the season. Yeah, I mean that is a, it is a fair argument. The only reason they were able to get back game back into the game in the third was Danny Green just going bonkers. Yeah, um, that pull up three he hit kind of in semi transition was awesome. I yelled really <laughs> loud. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, as you kind of mentioned, Danny Green's not probably going to have a better shooting night this season. I would be very surprised if he scores <laughs> 28 points again this season. But, like I said, I'd be very surprised if LeBron and AD only combined for 43 points again the rest of the season. So I think that balance will still be relatively the same. To me, the bigger issue was pretty much everybody else on the roster Absolutely. as well. The the role guys last night, aside from Danny Green, were generally just bad last night. Yeah, and and I th- I thought Jared Dudley put it really well, and and our boss, I guess, if you want to call him that, uh, Harrison <laughs> Fagan got a really great quote from uh, from Duds after the game, uh, and he basically said like, look. The bench's job are okay. Here's the exact quote. I found it. Um, he said, "Quote for us, our starters are supposed to dominate, and our bench is supposed to hold the fort down. And we both struggled in that tonight, which I think is the perfect way to put how the Lakers uh, did against the Clippers. And the Clippers did the opposite, though. Like the starters were solid, and the bench was incredible. And I think that's what, when looking at that specific matchup." I think that's where the Lakers are going to struggle, and I don't know if having Rajon Rondo and Kyle Kuzma back is going uh, to even the scales there. Because Lou Williams and, and Montrezl Harrell are very, very good, and with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are both healthy, you have to imagine Doc Rivers is going to is going to stagger those lineups uh, to where at least one of them is on the floor at all times. So uh, that's a tough second unit. Lou Williams, it seemed like every time he put up the ball, it went in the basket, and I know during the Lakers tanking years that that bugged Lakers fans a lot but on a contending team um he's going to be really really valuable and I and I was surprised with how well or I guess how bad uh Anthony Davis did when backing Montrez Harrell in the post I I mean yeah that just kind of goes to some of the offensive struggles and some of Anthony Davis's struggles I thought I was surprised by Anthony Davis's final stat line because twenty five, ten, and five. Um, did it didn't feel like he played like that? But most of that came from the free throw line, right? Uh, where he lived there in the first half. Um, but yeah, he certainly struggled, particularly in the second half, where, as we were talking beforehand, it looked like he kind of wore down a little bit. I thought he was just kind of working. Um, whether it was Patrick Patterson for whatever reason he started on him, right? Uh, um, Montrez a couple times. I don't remember if Zubac really guarded him much, but he was working those guys in the first half, and then 
wasn't quite the same in the second half. He did struggle a little bit. Um, Montrez is really good though too. Yeah, like, Trez it, is very good. Yeah, I just didn't I, expect that that size difference. Um, well, I mean, I guess, I guess the the measurements came out, and Katie's or sorry, Katie AD uh, is really only six nine and a half. Uh, I don't know how big Trez came in at at his official measurement, but I guess the discrepancy is not that large. Um, but yeah, the, the Trez, Beverly, those dudes, they're they're going to be a tough defensive team. Like if this was game one, I am interested to see what they're going to look like next time we see them on on Christmas Day. And yeah, I mean that's what I said at the beginning. That was kind of my biggest takeaway. Again, is just that the Clippers are a really, really good team, and the Lakers were with them the whole game. Like, yeah, this is a Clippers team that isn't going through a lot of the same shakeup the Lakers are. They know, like that Lou Will uh, Montrez pick and roll. Like, I thought that really kind of steadied the ship early for him when the Lakers got off to a hot start and then right. Trez came in and ran a couple pick and rolls and it was just like, all right, we're fine. Um, Jermichael Green's back, Shamit, Beverly, Zubots. Like, all those guys are back. They know their roles. The guys they brought in could just kind of plug into holes they have. Right. Mo yeah. Harkless. And then Kawhi fit pretty seamlessly. So the fact that the – I mean, I'm not going to say I didn't get my expectations high for this. But just kind of in hindsight, looking at this, the fact that the Lakers played so poorly, uh-huh. like, I was trying to think of, write down some positives, and there weren't a lot, but the fact that they played so poorly um, and really only lost by 10, and that game was in the balance until late, I think is a good thing. But yeah, yeah there's still a lot, a long way to go before the Lakers um, are going to be able to be to the level that the Clippers were last night. Yeah, and I'm I'm with you on that. I think those are all very valid points. Uh, the thing that concerned me a little bit, though, um, is that I the the concerns that people had with the Lakers going into the preseason and regular season on Game One. Again, this can change as the season goes on. Guys can exceed expectations. Guys can underwhelm. Whatever. Uh, but as of last night. A lot of the problems people thought the Lakers were going to have, they do have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if the addition of Rajon Rondo and Kyle Kuzma are... Well, actually, you know, I take that back. I think the addition of Kyle Kuzma is going to help more than anyone, most notably Anthony Irwin, cares to admit. Because uh, you look at that team, specifically uh, when AD and LeBron weren't on the floor... Um, Which should and, happen. Yeah, Never, not once. And Vogel Should never happen. did say that that basically wasn't going to happen anymore. Yeah, um, and so hold on, I I wrote down a stat in in my in my write up of Kuzma's injury update uh, this morning. Okay, so the one lineup that didn't feature LeBron James or Anthony Davis posted a negative two hundred and fifty <laughs> net rating in the one minute they played together. Uh, which is not great. Um, and it was, for those curious, it was a zero offensive rating and a negative 250 defensive rating. So not great. Uh, I don't know how much Kuz is going to help that defense, but offensively I think he'll be a big help. Uh, and then and then Rajon Rondo, who Frank Vogel had some interesting comments about at practice today, I think will will be of some help. Do I think he should play 25 to 30 minutes, as, as Vogel alluded to at, at 
practice on Wednesday? Probably not, but I, I think there is some value to Rondo being on the floor after seeing after seeing how the Lakers' second unit looked last night. Yeah, I mean, one of my other takeaways um, was that I thought this team needed Rajon Rondo on the floor last night. Um, the offense was really lost for long stretches. I mean, even with LeBron and AD on the floor, the offense was lost for stretches. Um, they resorted to a lot of Anthony Davis post-ups and just kind of really terrible entry passes and standing around. Danny Green was about the only guy that would move around when AD was posting up, and he got a couple threes out of it. But um, Rondo kind of directing things, and that's, I think at this point, the biggest strength he has is just kind of coaching guys on the floor and telling people where to go. Um, I think with him on the floor, there would have been more pick and rolls, which maybe gets Anthony Davis in more of a rhythm. If nothing else, it creates better offense than what they were running. And, I mean, just in general, Quinn Cook, I didn't think, played that great. He definitely right. he wasn't hitting shots, and if he's not hitting shots, there's not a lot of value to him being out there. Um, Troy Daniels was an odd I thought it was kind of odd how much he played after not really playing with the starters a whole lot. Yeah. In the preseason, um, Caruso, I don't. He didn't play. I don't know if he actually was limited. I know he said that. I know Vogel said he was available. I'm not really sure what was the answer or what was the issue there. But yeah, I think Rondo could have helped in some of those lineups to just kind of steady things and move get guys moving around. Um, I'm with you that I don't know about 25 to 30 minutes of Rondo is going to be a good thing, but I definitely think some of Rondo, at least early in the season too, while we're trying to figure things out offensively, is going to be needed. And I mentioned this when I when I did a, a podcast with Sabrina last week. It really is going to come down to maximizing, but uh, the, the maximizing Rondo's potential is going to come down to playing him with the right people uh and that can be said of every point guard on the roster like you if if you play avery bradley with a bunch of other non-dribblers and guys that can't create their own shot um that's not a recipe for success but if you play him with the starters which i thought he didn't look too bad last night uh there are a few possessions where he got the ball from behind the three-point line and started dribbling starting to size guys up uh, but he knocked himself back into, like, common sense, I guess. Um, <laughs> and either passed the ball or took a three, which I thought was fine. Um, I, I don't know if they're always going to go in, but it was a good start, I think, for Bradley. For Rondo, it really is just going to come down to him and AD and their chemistry together. Um, those units have to be Rondo and AD more than the first units, honestly, have to be LeBron and AD. Like, I think with... With LeBron and AD, you can you can get away with, um, you know, guys switching possessions. Uh, you take this one, I take this one. But with Rondo and AD, it's going to be similar, or it should be similar, uh, to how Bron played with, with AD on Wednesday, or on Tuesday, uh, which is just to say, like, hey, this one's you. You take it every time uh, you get the ball in the post. And that'll work against second units. Uh, it'll work against first units. Um and so, yeah, I think Rajon Rondo does have some value with Anthony Davis. 
Do I think Rajon Rondo has any value outside of Anthony Davis? Probably not. Uh, and I hope Frank Vogel realizes that sooner rather than later. I would disagree a little bit on that because I do think that LeBron and Rondo's minutes should be pretty heavily staggered. Right. I do think also last night that LeBron didn't really look great as kind of that point guard. Yeah. Um, so getting him off the ball a little bit I don't think would be a terrible idea for stretches. Um, th- now, that doesn't necessarily mean it has to be Rondo out there. It could be Caruso. Yeah, or Bradley or Quinn Cook, somebody. Um, really just less minutes with LeBron as the point guard. And I think that, I mean, based on Vogel's comments, I think that's probably where Rondo's going to come in and um, play. But, yeah, I mean... I think at this point, I know a lot of I saw a lot of people upset uh, when Vogel said that Rondo was going to be a part of the rotation. I mean, it's just got to be something you have to accept, and at this point, you just have to figure out where's the best way to use them. Mm. Like everybody just keeps banging their head against the wall, angry about it, which isn't really going to do a lot. I think there are ways for him to still be successful um, or a positive contributor on this team. A lot of the ways that we've talked about um, and a lot of the ways we struggled last night, for as good as a guy like Quinn Cook is as a shooter, he still can't re- direct a, or lead an offense the way Rondo can. Same with Bradley. For as good as some of the other stuff he does, he I got worried some of the times when they were pressuring him with the ball because uh-huh. he looked like he couldn't dribble at times. Yeah, um, like, like he couldn't even make... A simple entry pass, which I didn't watch a ton of Golden State over the years, but I didn't know that was something he struggled with, uh, which <laughs> lowers his ceiling tremendously to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, everybody struggled to make an entry pass. Troy Daniels had one of the worst entry passes ever that resulted right. in a turnover late in the game. So, yeah. there. I mean, you don't want to put Rondo out there just to solely make entry passes, but, I mean, it's things like that that kind of add up that I think they're, for lineups... Basically, without LeBron, like you said, just heavily stagger him, and then a couple minutes with LeBron on the floor just to get him off the ball a little bit and initiate the offense in other ways. I think there's value for that for um, that Rondo can bring to the table. One last thing before before we head into our little break, um, Frank Vogel had another interesting comment at practice on Wednesday. Uh, and it's it's a question a lot of Lakers fans have had on their on their mind after watching Tuesday's game is why did they go away from the LeBron James Anthony Davis pick and roll? I mean it worked so well in the preseason, and I get not every team is going to be as small as the Golden State Warriors, um, but it see it, it feels like that should have been more effective than just throwing the ball to Anthony Davis in the post and. Hope he can overpower the likes of Montrez Harold, Jermichael Green, Patrick Patterson. Um, that's that's the idea, but I, I have a really hard time understanding how a, a how the pick and roll with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, those two players specifically, 
how they went away from that. And so Vogel had an explanation at practice on Wednesday saying, quote, they got into a switching game and they started to switch one through five and then it became an ISO game and we've got to be more efficient in those situations. Getting Rajon Rondo back will put us in a lot more pick and rolls, but our post offense was something they had to deal with. So we were heavier in the post than maybe we usually would be throughout the season because it was being effective for us, but we'll make sure we have a diverse attack, which that last part, great, because I don't think Anthony Davis wants... Like as as much as I think Anthony Davis would love to get his numbers up, I don't know if he he wants to get all of his numbers up just backing the guys down in the post constantly and uh, taking really heavily contested shots. So um, I think that's good. I still don't understand though. Like even if they were playing a really switchy defense, who on the court is is going to guard LeBron James and Anthony Davis? Like. When that switch happens, I still think the Lakers have the favorable switch unless I'm just, like, missing something. Yeah, no, I... That one's a much harder one to explain. I mean, just from a straight, like, points-per-possession standpoint, the Lakers were relatively good um, in post-ups. They... But they took 20 post-ups, 1.25 points per possession which last year the Rockets led the league at 1.013 so I mean it was effective relative to just posting up but it you don't want to do that that's still an inefficient offense right when you when a ball screen and roll or a ball screen like LeBron and AD is available um I'm yeah I that one doesn't make a lot of sense because even if there are switches, that's when you go mismatch hunting. And right. as you said, more often than not, um, the Lakers are still going to have the advantage on the mismatch. It's going to be, especially if LeBron's kind of playing the de facto point guard, um, you would have a smaller guard on AD, you would think. Yeah. Or a bigger player on LeBron. And in either scenario, it should lead to a basket. I don't really know how to explain that one away. I don't know if there is an explanation for it because it was just that's it worked in the preseason. It worked it like that's what everybody expected. And then they only had fourteen pick and roll possessions last night versus 20 post-ups. So, I mean, that's according to Synergy, at least. So, I mean, I just don't understand. And that wasn't something they did in the preseason, really, either. Um, I don't know if it's something the Clippers were doing. It didn't seem like the Clippers were doing anything special. No, I don't think so, either. I know there's still some kind of learning... There's still going to be some a, a learning curve with this offense and trying to figure things out, but... I don't think that learning curve should just boil down to giving AD the ball a bunch of times in the post. Because like we said, he looked worn down. Maybe that was part of it. Um, It takes away a really huge weapon in like a LeBron AD pick and roll, especially when Danny Green's out there. Yeah. And like it just really hurts your offense just in a whole number of ways just to – and then, I mean, even if you are going to post up – 
it was a bunch of guys just standing around and watching Absolutely. AD post up. There was only, I think there were one or two plays where Danny Green cut off the ball, and I think he got a four-point play on one and um, maybe a couple threes, but it just wasn't good offense, and there really is no explanation for it. Yeah, and, and that's, again, that's the one area that I think having Kyle Kuzma will will help them a ton uh, when you're playing AD at the five, which, I mean, the, the few minutes that AD played at the five, he wasn't great at last, or on, on Tuesday. So, but I, I think he'll look a lot better playing next to Kuz, um, only because right away, um, like last season specifically, Kyle Kuzma showed that he just understood his job when he's sharing the floor with superstars is just get open um you know or stay out of the way if you have to but at least be open in the corner uh and that's that's where i think Kyle Kuzma's uh, i know IQ for the game isn't the first thing that comes to mind when talking about Kyle Kuzma but i think offensively he knows where to be um he can create his own shot and he can get open for a shot he was LeBron's favorite target on offense last season so um i i expect a similar chemistry with him and AD. So there there are things that I think will work in their favor when Kuz comes back. Uh, and the only thing I can think of in Vogel's defense is maybe he didn't want to run a LeBron James, Anthony Davis pick and roll every time down the floor, which is fine. I mean, it, it, after a while, I think teams start catching on to it. Um, and when you do have somebody like Rajon Rondo back, because... I made a joke during the preseason, and it held true in the regular season, uh, that there should be a new team rule that nobody but LeBron James and Anthony Davis dribble the ball. Um, and obviously that's hyperbole, but, I mean, when you look at the roster as is, there aren't a ton of, guy, ton of guys that can, you know, pick up their dribble and, and take it to the basket, create their own shot. Um, LeBron James, AD, and I guess Quinn Cook are the only two that come to mind. Um, so I, I see that there, why, why he thinks Rondo might help with that pick and roll between him and AD. Um, there are a lot of questions I have with this team. And then when we get back from the break, we're going to play a little good cop, bad cop, uh, with the silver linings with this team, um, and whether there are any. So, well, we talked about all the good stuff. Um, that came from the Lakers' loss over the Clippers, moral victories and whatnot. Uh, but I still have some concerns. Are they premature? Probably. <laughs> um, but the bad thing, like, the thing that worries me about the concerns that I have are the fact that I've had them since the signings were made. Um, and it, it mostly has to do with the personnel on the roster. Uh, I do, even when Rondo comes back, I think the Lakers have a point guard problem, um, which isn't great. And I understand that there aren't like a ton of elite defensive point guards in the NBA. Um, I uh, it, at least when it, when it comes in terms of like one on one defense, um, but I am I am a little concerned about that point guard rotation and more so Frank Vogel's ability to maximize that point guard rotation. So. That's one thing I'm going to look at as the season progressive progresses. Um, the other one is is their situation at small forward. And I think we were talking about Contavious Caldwell-Pope and Kawhi Leonard earlier. 
Uh, and really the only reason we're talking about that is because they don't have another forward on the team capable of guarding Kawhi Leonard. Will that probably be LeBron James in the postseason? Yeah. Uh, but until then, I, I I don't know. That worries me. Because who are you going to put on Kawhi Leonard even when Kyle Kuzma comes back? You put in Kuzma on Leonard? Um, I wouldn't unless, you know, <laughs> you want to give him a free basket every time. With no disrespect to Q's, that's just that's just the player he is right now. So those are the two biggest holes to me with the roster. And I don't see an immediate solution because the Grizzlies just bought out Miles Plumley's twelve point five million dollar contract. I don't see them doing the same to Andre Iguodala unless they stretch him. But again, that's like that's them eating more money and I just can't see them doing it. So Jacob, what I'm asking you to do is talk me off the ledge. Uh, because I, I, I can't see there. I can't see the silver lining with those two things specifically. So the guards, I do think there are some concerns. Um, I would also say that kind of similar to how LeBron and AD probably aren't going to play worse together. That was probably one of the worst case scenarios for the guards last night. Um, Caruso didn't play, couldn't play, whatever. Rondo didn't play. Uh, Quinn Cook was bad. Avery Bradley was just kind of eh. And then Troy Daniels having to play, basically, <laughs> wasn't ideal. Um, and KCP, for for all his faults, I thought he did defensively did about as much as you can ask. He's just He was just too short to really... Yeah. Um, do anything, which kind of leads into your other part. The Lakers don't have any wings. Like, KCP had to guard him. Um, I th- I think that Vogel could have done a little better job of staggering, or I guess, or not staggering, the opposite, mirroring Kawhi and Danny Green's minutes so that yeah. Green was pretty much always on him. Again, that might be something they do more in the postseason. Um but so first with the guards, I think basically it can only go up from here because that was a pretty rough outing. Um, I also think that would be one of the easier positions to kind of find someone in the buyout market. Um, there's a lot of guards in the NBA and a lot of different types. And I think one will probably be pretty easily available. Um as a free agent or maybe as a trade for a second round pick or something. I'm not as worried about that as I am about the wings. Um, I do think Kuzma can bring something defensively. Um, Just a big body. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's, he's listed at six, nine, which a full four inches taller than what KCP is. Um, I I don't think he's obviously someone you put on Kawhi and just isolate him out there, but I think he's another body that you can put on a Kawhi or whoever. In that regard, I think really the Clippers are one of the worst matchups for the Lakers because they have a whole bunch of wings and the Lakers don't have any. Um, Iggy would solve a lot of problems for this team. I'm not quite as sold that Memphis won't buy him out. Um, huh? Because well, I mean, you saw tonight any Clippers trade? Well, excuse me, 
last night, Wednesday, by the time you're listening to this. Any Iggy trade for the Clippers most kind of assumed involved Mo Harkless. Mo Harkless was really good. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah, And I don't think that's someone that they're just going to up and trade for Iggy. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see. I guess your other one would be Denver. Again, I don't know that Denver would want to trade one of its younger pieces for uh, Iggy unless they really see him as pushing them over the top. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. Um, I'm still pretty optimistic that Iggy's going to land with the Lakers eventually. Boy, I hope so. Yeah, Yeah. that would solve a ton of issues because, yeah, the Lakers really need at least one more wing-type player, and those are a lot harder to find than guards. Um, The Lakers are probably going to be hunting the buyout market pretty heavily, and they're probably going to be the favorites for um, any wing that's made available. Yeah. Anthony made the point, um, which really, it kind of sucks to make, but tonight showed why you can't really have Boogie on the roster long term. Yeah. Because you just need able bodies. And having one of those taken up by a guy who isn't going to play a second for you this year, um, especially when you've already signed someone to replace him as Uh well, I think that sooner rather than later they'll probably cut him and sign some wing. Um, But, yeah, the wing depth I can't really sell you on being some type of positive. The guards, I think, will play better. And if not, there's guys out there they can find that'll be better. The wing depth, I mean, that was something everybody talked about in the off season, and it kind of manifested itself. I guess in some regards, I wrote this down as a positive, which seems kind of odd, but a lot of the Lakers' flaws were exposed. Yeah. But they were exposed on day one when... Now they have a whole bunch of time to fix it. They'll play Utah, which will be another tough game. Yeah. But if you look at the schedule, um, they this have month, yeah a real yeah they have a really easy schedule after that to to address some of these flaws and figure it out right and get better. So I think it in some regards it's a good thing that they found out right away where their flaws are because now the the way the schedule set up now they're going to have a long stretch of games where they can figure out those flaws, address them, hopefully fix them, and then the next time they play the Clippers, it'll play out a little bit differently. Yeah, and, you know, that's a good point. I I hadn't thought about it that way because you really are. They played, I mean, you said it, probably the the favorites to win the title this season on opening night. Um that team's gonna add Paul George, which I, I still can't get over. That is so crazy. Yeah, that's a, be... that's a crazy. That team is, has ten legit yeah. playoff role players. And, that's, and that's wild. That's that's the other thing that concerned me a little bit is um, I I just don't know what the Lakers can do to make up for their depth in comparison to other teams in the Western Conference. Because you mentioned Utah. They're a pretty deep team. They got off the bench, if I'm remembering correctly. They have Jeff Green, Ed Davis. Don't know if Dante Exum has been cleared to play yet. Um, Joe Ingles, no? Yeah, Joe Ingles. Um, but he's starting 
I'm thinking. Uh, I, th- Royce- I thought they said he was coming off the bench, and I thought there was an article. Oh. For who? Royce O'Neal? Uh, I don't know who's starting, but yeah, there's a he's coming off the mi- off the bench now. It's a six man. Um, well, still, they're another team that I think is like nine, ten deep. Um, mm-hmm. And Denver, Denver's so deep. You, you look at the addition of Jeremy Grant in the preseason. Um, they're going to be a real tough team to beat. Um, and honestly, that's where that list ends to me. But those are the teams the Lakers are going to be playing in the playoffs. Um, and, you know, again, unless, like like you said, unless they're going to be really uh, aggressive on the buyout market, which I'm sure they will, um, I just don't see how that gap is closed without without moves being made. And you look at the contracts they gave to the returning players, um, because they signed their one-plus-one deals, they all have, all have no trade clauses in their contract. And I guess you look back to last season and, you look at the Trevor Ariza situation and say, well, Contavious Caldwell Pope waived his no trade clause, um, or at least reportedly waived his no trade clause to get that deal done. Um, there's optimism that he might do it again. He has a trade kicker. He has the player option in the second year. Um, but beyond that, uh, it's just you're kind of married to this roster, uh, and the front office has to get creative. Uh you know to retool later in the season so that that's that's another concern of mine is how are they going to close their the gap in terms of depth compared to the rest of the western conference um and i do think there are names out there like i tweeted kind of a spicy take earlier today that i'd rather have avery bradley or sorry that i'd rather have J.R. smith than avery bradley contagious caldwell pope and trade troy daniels i am i am in shock that he is not on an nba roster because he's he's been good in recent years and like better than any of the names I just mentioned uh, just from a, a pure statistical standpoint I am shocked he's not on the roster I would be I think we've talked about it before I'm a little weary on signing him just because I don't know what version of him you're getting Yeah. if you can guarantee that I'm getting um, kind of the not necessarily ideal but a good version of him, basically, then, yeah, I would take him over, as you said, probably any guy, any guard on the roster. Uh-huh. Um, but, yeah, I, I just have a lot of questions about basically how much he stayed in shape having be- more or less a year off from the league now. Yeah. Um, there's not a lot of free agents right now. I think Iman Shumpert's still a free agent. Um. He is kind of a wing. <laughs> I'm not really sure. <laughs> uh, but outside of that, I'm not really sure there's a lot of guys. Corey Brewer might be a free agent unless if you want to really run that back. <laughs> um, there's not a lot of guys, though, that are going to be available right now that might make a difference. Um, you can bring back Swaggy. Uh, <laughs> but as for the, the depth concerns, I mean, in the... In the regular season, that's a concern, and those those teams are probably going to get higher seeds because of it. Uh, in the postseason, depth isn't nearly as much of an issue because yeah. your starters just play 38, 39, 40 minutes. Um, and I think the Lakers will be a, or are and will be a top-heavy team um, in terms of their roster that they're – 
at this point, their best four guys are LeBron, AD, Kuz, and Danny Green, and that's a really good four. And if they they can find a fifth, if it's Iggy or something, that that five will be really good. Right. Um, and if you stagger it the right way, like Vogel's talked about, then you should be able to withstand some of those depth concerns. Um, but yeah, depth is a concern for the regular season. For all the reasons we talked about, these the guards are going to have nights like this where they all struggle. Um, you would hope that Caruso and Rondo come back and you basically have two of the five uh, guards available play well. Um, but that's also a lot of guards to have on a team and right. ho- only hope that a couple of them play well. So I wouldn't be surprised, like you said, whether it's KCP or someone else, if they get moved for a, a wing, um, a different type of guard, something like that. Because the, the Lakers can't afford to have games like they did last night where you're playing five different guards and none of them particularly played well. Yeah, uh, I, w- I wonder if Memphis would bite at a... And a trade package centered around KCP, Taylor Horton, Tucker, DeMarcus Cousins, and like a second rounder or two. I think that would that would be probably the best case scenario for the Lakers is you know doing a three for one. I don't know how Memphis opens up the roster space in that in that scenario, but uh, I mean that's the dream scenario because not only do you get rid of the guard glut and and bring in a much needed forward, you open up two roster spots for the buyout market and uh you know whether it's jr or boy i don't i don't know who's going to become available brandon knight i guess <laughs> it's slim pickings even even like trying to project guards uh in the buyout market is tough right now but i agree i think later in the season uh help may be on the way but until then i don't know i'm i'm a little worried this Basically, this isn't the final version of what this roster is. This roster, I think, will look pretty different come March, end of March, April. Um, This is more or less, I don't want to say a tryout or an audition phase or or something along those lines of figuring out which of these guys can play with AD and LeBron and which of the guys need to be dealt to kind of shake things up. And um, I haven't really sat down to look to see who might be available. I know Jay Crowder, I, is, I don't see any way he finishes the season in Memphis because he's another really good wing that's on a yeah. much easier contract to trade for. Um, I haven't really sat down to figure out what wings are going to become available. <laughs> Marvin Williams might be another one. I'm watching the, I have the Hornets game pulled up. Oh, I, uh, he totally will be. I, I think Michael Kidd Gilchrist might too. Although I'm I'm less high on on the yeah. latter. Kidd Gilchrist um, is pretty much the opposite <laughs> of what we need from a wing. You know what's funny is uh, I tweeted today that if you do a KCP and Boogie straight up to Cleveland for Jordan Clarkson, it works. You want and, to bring Jordan Clarkson back? Huh? <laughs> I don't know. I've I've thought about it since I tweeted it this morning, and I I don't know. Again, you're trying to you're trying to get rid of the guard glut. Um, but he's an interesting one. I mean, if he can dribble, he can create his own shot, and he definitely has no problem shooting it. 
Uh, yeah, I think we would go from one extreme to the other. There. <laughs> I think we would go from people who don't know how to dribble or shoot to people who want to dribble and shoot way too much. I got I got angry Pelicans fans in my mentions the other day because I said uh, Nikhil Alexander Walker kind of reminds me of Jordan Clarkson, and then the very next game he went like one for ten. From he the was field. hoisting last yeah. night. He is uh, not afraid to shoot that one. Um, but yeah, it, it, again. I, I think that's a fair point, and you did do a good job of uh, of calming me down here because I did have feelings last night. And, the problem's going to be that this could... And Utah's another really good team. Yeah. <laughs> they may struggle again Friday, but it's just, like I said, the the schedule gets a lot easier. They're still fi- It'll be the exact same thing. They're facing a Utah team that added uh-huh. Conley, who should be another kind of seamless fit to a team that was a really good playoff team. But after that, I would suspect we'll get some things figured out. Um, I'm not nearly as worried yet. Opening nights are weird. I mean, I remember it would have been like 2013-14, I think, when the Lakers beat the Clippers. Right. And I was super excited about that team and how much fun they were. And they were this really deep team that had a – Played like ten guys and then they won like twenty five games and yeah, the Clippers were that like was a fifty win team. That was a Xavier Wesley Johnson yeah. game where they just exploded. I Jordan Farmar was on his return <laughs> man. Yeah. So opening nights are kinda weird. The first right. couple games of the year, your home opener is gonna be weird too. There's always like I mean Wednesday's or uh, Tuesday's game felt like a playoff game. So I mean those types of things don't um, those types of games aren't going to be common, so I'm not quite as worried. It sucked. It sucked to lose to the Clippers. It sucked to hear Patrick Beverly trash talking. <laughs> um, but we'll get there. I think it. It'll be. It's a long haul, though. It's a marathon, not a sprint, right now. It, yeah, Bev was bugging AD so much. I've and never AD. seen like AD seems like a real nice guy, and he just looked like he got under his skin. He gets under everybody's skin. He was like talking trash. My favorite thing was when... Uh, the jump ball. Yeah, he was talking all this <laughs> trash about how he first forced a turnover, then the look on his face when it was a yeah. jump ball, and he was going to have to do that. And then he's trying to get all psyched up, and AD beat him to the jump ball by That's like six so funny. inches. That was, that was fun, but yeah, I mean, Pat Bev earned another night to trash talk, so yeah. that's my, my main <laughs> motivation for beating the Clippers is to shut him up. <laughs> my, my younger brother, who's not the biggest fan of basketball, um, not that he doesn't like basketball, he just doesn't watch it as much as I do, um, he saw Patrick Beverly and Anthony Davis go for the jump ball, and he's like, how is that allowed? Like, how does the <laughs> NBA make that fair? I was like, I don't know. Uh, Jacob, before we go... Grant and I used to do these fun little things um, as we signed off for the week during the season. Uh, and so I thought I'd do the same with you. There are one, two, three games until we next speak. Uh, Friday against the Jazz, Sunday against the Mavericks, and then Tuesday against the Grizzlies. Uh, what are the Lakers going during that time? Two and one. I think they lose to the Jazz and then win yeah. the other two. That's so funny. That was Grant's running shtick, and I don't know if he meant to do it, but it was every week was two and one. Uh, <laughs> but I I tend to agree. I think they'll probably uh, lose to you too. Actually, you know what? I'm gonna go out. I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say they go three and zero. Oh. 
I, just to switch for, things it's up. It's foreseeable. I think yeah. Friday will be another close game. So, yeah, I think they definitely win the last two. It's just a matter of it'll be a home opener. I mean, I could easily see them winning yeah. the game. So we got 2-1, and 3-0. Oh. Um, let's hope I'm right. Uh, and thank you all for listening to another episode of our show. We should have a lot more to talk about. Uh, now that there is basketball, and if you list, if you like listening to our conversations, uh, leave us a nice little review on iTunes, uh, five star review if you think it's worth that. Um, and we'll see you all next week. Thanks, Jacob.